0: I want a controller to help me, but a business controller, but not someone that drives the car looking in the rear mirror,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as it looks ahead. So try to see what's coming, not what is past. The past is important to understand the future, but we still need to keep our eyes on what's coming. And I believe that is something that people need to realize at this moment. We need to forget a bit the past, understand the situation today and plan for the future
1: want to boost your productivity and decision making get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox a great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not go to benfanning.com slash insight welcome back to lead the team with number one best selling author and in-demand corporate trainer ben fanning On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Lead the team nation. Today for you, I have Paolo Mickey, who is the regional CFO, head of finance and VP for the Hitachi Energy Grid integration business in North America. Now, if you're not familiar with Hitachi Energy, it's a global technology leader in 140 countries with over 36,000 employees that is advancing a sustainable energy future. They serve customers in the utility industry and infrastructure sectors with innovative solutions and services across the value chain. He's previously held CFO roles with ABB and Siemens and is an economist and certified accountant with an MBA in corporate finance. Now Paulo was born down in Brazil, with a career developed in Latin America, Europe, and in the U.S. He's a soccer fan, father of two boys, an unskilled—that's right—an unskilled cooker, which we'll dive into, and a board game player. He's also passionate, of course, about continuous improvement, turnarounds, and team building. Paulo, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks
0: for having me here. I really appreciate to have this opportunity.
1: Yeah, delighted to have you on today. So let's get this kicked off with the most important question one could ask: What is your favorite board game?
0: Well, I, I'm a big fan <laughs> of war games. You know, I like uh, uh, second world war games like uh, uh, Flames of War. Uh, more modern ones like Team Yankee. I like strategy games. Also, play some some other board games. I'm also in the R- RPGs. That is a pretty much an American tradition. Back in the day, started with the Dungeons & Dragons RPG. Oh, yeah, okay. RPG played, being yeah.
1: role-playing games. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Dungeons yeah. & Dragons. So, these are these are games that you don't just sit down and just play once. They're like these ongoing games, right, where you play, play, play for long periods of time. So, the world, a lot of the world is headed towards video games. You're sticking with board games. What's the What's your thought process on video games versus board games?
0: well there's there something interesting that because if you take uh, like the rolling playing games they were born in the 70s when when we had these all these um the start of these uh computer games and uh it's something that is basically oral tradition it's a representation of characters and build a story together you don't depend on technology for Anything. So it's quite interesting that it was born in a moment that technology was improving. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I think it's 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 uh, very important because you keep that contact, the human contact, uh, the interaction with people, and all that that maybe you lose these days with all this distance that technology creates between us.
1: Yeah, I think it's that's an excellent point because. People do seem to gravitate these days more in, in some ways to the video games, but then you're, it is lost a little bit because of the human contact. On one hand, you could be like playing these role-playing games that are collaborative with people on the other side of the world, but what about the people in your community? What about the people in your house that you can actually see physically? I mean, that's a big, that's a big connection difference versus playing a war game with a stranger you know, four time zones away. Exactly. All
0: right, so let's yeah, go. And it really helped me in some, uh, let's say, soft skills, and I think I really recommend to people to to enjoy these, uh, let's say, more ludic part of of the the games that you Mm. can benefit. And you see this being taken in the companies in a much more professional ways to bring games to the companies now. I think it's a very interesting experience. So, uh, do you do you play
1: games with your team?
0: I personally did participate in something, a few opportunities with the teams, To not really in U.S., in other places. I have uh, experienced that, and I know people that's working with these uh, in many different regions and places. I think it's yeah. something that's coming to a state.
1: So, so what type of games are, are you hearing about or have you participated in with your teams to help develop soft skills?
0: Well, uh, there, there is some in terms of uh, you pretty much role in playing, so you can you can give different characters to to people to not represent themselves but to represent other stereotypes you have in the company. so you you allow people to represent other roles that maybe they want to express themselves hmm. and you a bit of a barrier to do so. but you give these freedom to people to express themselves, you know it's it's quite interesting
1: so what's what has surprised you most with your employees or teams that you're on participating in these games well you
0: you get yeah you know, well you'll get a bit of the emotional part of people I mm. see some people that have a very intense feelings about uh things that happen at work, but they keep that for themselves and uh they find these opportunities to express themselves and they they feel. Much better after they do that, and they perceive that other people receive these in a in a mm-hmm. good way. So uh, we we sometimes we have that persona at work that we create a second uh, person that is not really you, you know, outside so of work. And, and for some people, this is uh, let's say painful for some of the people to keep that personality mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. work. You know? And uh, and we don't need that most of the time. You know, people can be accepted for what they are. So for leaders
1: out there listening, and they're like, "Man, you know what? What Palos says is saying, sounding interesting. I like to get some game playing at my work. What's a game that would be a great place for them to start if they've never done it before?"
0: Well, that's a good question. Um, uh, most of the cooperative games are quite interesting. Uh, the The role playing games are very interesting in these aspects because. Uh, you don't compete but with the other people that are playing with you. You all together compete to to get to a, mm-hmm. a common goal. And this is quite interesting because mm. it, it fosters this uh, cooperation. So everyone takes a role. And mm. uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty fun if you see this, uh, even if you see this uh, TV series like Stranger Things, they, they, they get a part of it and that. So. The Stranger beginning of experience, yeah, they, they get something on the RPGs, you know, the kids play Dungeons and Dragons, and and you see the bond they create with each other because they play, you know, and they see each other as a team player because yeah. each one has a different role in that in that game. So it's I think it's interesting to, to use these and it's part of our culture. And I think it this is also important. We need to embrace the culture we have in each place, you know, and bring this to the to the working environment.
1: Cool. All right. So for leaders out there, maybe dust off some Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Paolo mentioned. Is it called Flames of War? That's another RPG, a role playing game.
0: No, yeah, this this is a war game. It's a, a war, game. Okay. war game. Yeah, it's it's more competitive, but it's more. Okay. It's also good in terms of strategy and all that. I, okay. th- I think war games are good in this aspect. Huh? So you need yeah. To so you can be good and all that.
1: So. Foster friendly competition. Or you could do some RPG role-playing games where you're on the same team battling other things, which might be a little bit more collaborative versus competitive and mix it up. But I think more of the story, one of the, one of my takeaways is, hey, this is an underutilized way to bring a team together and uh, to let them express things that they don't normally get to express because they're having fun in different capacity, taking on different roles. And so, uh, yeah, this could be a whole another episode at some point. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, Let's I don't I want to make sure we get to other things other than just board games and video games here, although that's pretty darn interesting. So you've had a really interesting career just going through your LinkedIn profile. You've got South America, North America, Europe over in Germany, a, a truly international career. What advice do you have for leaders who are rising and they want to add international or Maybe they've, you know, maybe they're more senior, but they'd like to add an international assignment, but they aren't quite sure how to get there.
0: Well, I believe it's it's something that added a lot to my experience. Um, I actually can tell that I missed a few opportunities earlier in my career to work abroad. And if I would consider again, if I had the opportunity, I would probably have taken these earlier in my in my career. Um it's it's nothing you the more you travel or you interact with people from other places, mm. it's not comparable to the experience of living there. So you understand the culture not only by the working environment but for the for for the way of living that you have in a, in a certain place, you know. And that and even so, being have worked in South America, North America, and Europe is still a tiny piece of the world. So we still have a lot of places. That I haven't had the opportunity True. to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's, so, it's so much to learn, you know, that, that you can have uh, from knowing people from other places. That is also always something that really attracted my attention from the mm. beginning of my career when I had contact with people from other places to notice how different is the perspective they have for any any given topic because of the cultural background they have. They see things in a different way. And uh, there is no right or wrong. It's really mm-hmm. from where they, where they came they come from and the perspective they have. So the more you understand it's this diversity, the more you can benefit from that.
1: I love it. Yeah. And one of the things you said there, just thinking through this is, yes, you can have an international role where you're traveling, but it sounds like you're a believer in living there. So becoming an expat or a local hire in another country to truly get that experience in terms of how they think and i've I've traveled a lot internationally uh, with my work but not live there and i would i I do feel like that would add so much to the experience uh, to, to be able to do that now, if you've got a listener here who maybe's been traveling, uh, what recommendations? Since you've probably navigated this conversation inside a company before, what recommendations do you have for someone who's maybe traveled internationally but they haven't been able to negotiate an expat or local hire assignment mm-hmm. in another country? Like, how to? What's your recommendation for those that want to make the bridge over to full-time yeah. living in another country?
0: Yeah, for me, it was I can tell my my personal experience. So I I, I was evolving my career in some, I don't think some point. I noticed that uh, the companies were demanding people with more international experience. At that early mo- moment in my career, mm-hmm. it was not so clear to me what was the reason they were asking. I just understood it was important, you know. And mm-hmm. and I can tell you when I moved to Germany, I was, was was I was working in a German company, so it was also very important to me. And I think this is something that I I, I need to say. If there is something else because I went to a different role. I moved it to the headquarters of the company. So it was also to me important, not only because it was a cultural experience, but also because I moved it from one of the subsidiaries, even an important one, but had the opportunity to work in the headquarters of the company and experienced the how the company was organized there in the headquarters. So for these two reasons, it was very interesting. I had, that it was for me kind of a bonus, but I moved to Germany and one of my responsibility there was to be regional controller of Middle East. So I actually moved to the Middle East. Yes, <laughs> and that's because it's quite, quite interesting because wow. I was basically talking, of course, I was doing the bridge between the headquarters and these entities. Legal entities in, in in Middle East, wow. but I involved myself also to some extent. Hmm. It was not the same as living there, but to some extent, to 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 the dynamic of Middle East that was a totally It was totally unexpected to me because it was. I learned it a lot, you know, in the way right. they, they work. I Changed my concept in several things in terms of uh, uh, what is the dynamic of the economy there. Uh, so it was know uh, eye opening for me. You know, it's a place that maybe I could one day have, have a professional experience there. You know, but like I told you, I, I I get an impression that is much more dynamic that most of people mm-hmm. can imagine. What,
1: you know. How What do you do to get ready for these international assignments? You just say, I'm going to be open and just show up? Or do you have like a method that you developed or something you've read or, you know, how, how do you go through about your preparation for that?
0: Yeah, well, I, I would say it's, well, of course, there is the language aspect depending where you go. Uh, e- even if you say that uh, uh, the company has some international language that you, e- e- you, 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 you are familiar, you still need to know the le- local language. I can tell mm-hmm. you from our experience in Germany, we, we mm-hmm. use it to some extent English, but also german was very important and living there of course it became very important so pr- language helps because it's not depends on the person but I, i'm not i'm not a fast learner in terms of language i speak a few but uh, it took me a hard work to really learn them you know
1: how, how did you learn it did you just like go to typical classes or did you do a training program yeah. or yeah.
0: which one did I- you do? It, it, it's the most simple thing. It's really having classes and and have exposure to to the language.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's How many important. languages do you speak now?
0: Well, from that I really can tell. German in a good level, but I miss it a little bit because I don't practice. Spanish, of course, that is very similar to to Portuguese, so it was not difficult to me. And English also. That I I'm, I'm still learning, as you can see. Yeah.
1: Fantastic yeah very very impressive i speak spanish I and english
0: i miss that but maybe one day i'd start again
1: so something i'm re- that's really you know when i, when I got when I was getting ready for this interview it really was on top of mind for me so you, for, for the listeners out there a little bit of background we're recording this and we're sort of on the tail end of the pandemic that's becoming an endemic i guess in 2022 spring and we're struck by uh north america especially with, with inflation and Paolo, you're in a unique position here because you've been CFO several countries, uh, but also you've spent a lot of time, you're born in Brazil, you've been CFO in Latin America, and Latin American countries have seen extreme inflation, situations with a hyperinflation. And so you've had a front row seat uh, as an executive there. What do other leaders need to be thinking about now that globally we're facing inflation and I'm specifically kind of thinking more about US and North America. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, the numbers are going up. You know, it, inflation is not cooled. So what needs to be top of mind now?
0: Yeah, yeah indeed. I I have my own, since I was a child until early ages or uh, early years of my university study. I was living with a very high level of inflation in Brazil, and I'm talking about 20, 30 percent per month, not per year. <sighs> so it's, it's it's totally different reality that we have nowadays in, well, a few countries still have hyperinflation these days, and, and and really I perceive it how destructive it is. Not that I think we go in this direction here in the US and the main countries. But, but it is still harmful, the level of inflation we have today. So it changed a bit the, some some of the assumptions and concepts people have. And this was some of the discussions I had when I started here, because especially before the pandemic, a few Indications were very clear that we would have the problem we are facing today. And mm-hmm. I remember myself in strategic planning planning discussions with my colleagues and showing the level of debt and uh, everything that uh, uh, U.S. Treasury did to, to avoid the, the problems with the pandemic to compensate for people that I perfectly understand and most of the governments did so. But there is the price of these would come later. And I remember a colleague just questioned me why you're presenting these, what it has to do with us. I said, look, this will be inflation and more tax for you because you need to pay for that. Someday this this bill will come and it's coming now. You know, and for sure, one of the ways to pay this back is inflation. So it's not something that will disappear so Mm -hmm. soon. So I don't see... I'm also economist, but not really with so much practice because I enter in a different field, but uh, I still have a bit of that background. I really don't think we go in a different, in a, in a, in a situation so extreme as a hyperinflation, but is it still harmful to have inflation above six, seven percent per year? It's really, it really disturbs and brings, uh, and breaks a bit of the, of the concepts people have, you know, and I face uh, these, what is positive in some aspect, because people have a lot of confidence in the economy, but sometimes you need to rethink your your concept and say that maybe this time is different. And it's not the first time in history that the U.S. faced that. So we st- I, but it's I, been I, a I, while. It, but it's been a long people time. People forgot. People forget exactly exactly but you need to be prepared and one thing that i believe it's it's very important that comes with the experience and i really recommend to anyone to have experience in developing countries we're talking about economies that by concept are less stable so they they uh, crisis like we are having now i use it to have every time every three four years so it's an Mm. expansion then a crisis and three four years of expansion then a crisis so you, you see these cycles a bit longer, a bit shorter. So you live with this uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult to, to, to plan for the future, but you need to be very agile to react to the situations. And um, I believe that from my, my point of view, uh, what we did, uh, coming back to my, my experience here in the US and the business we are acting with, we are being very fast to react to, to the situation able to understand what was coming and position ourselves in a way that uh, we we could safeguard the interest of our shareholders and and, and keep growing in market with all this instability uh, but it's because we understood that this time was different we cannot plan our future based on the past mm-hmm. all the time so that I would say is a, one of the best the best um uh, recommendations that i got when i started my career once a manager said to me look i want a controller to help me but a business controller but not someone that drives the car look in the rear mirror
1: mm-hmm.
0: Otherwise, it, it looks ahead so try to see what is coming not what is past the past is important to understand the future but we still need to keep our eyes on what's coming and i believe that is something that people need to realize at this moment we need to forget a bit the past understand the situation today and plan for the future. Maybe it's different from the per- experience people had here in the past 12 years, the past 20 years. Uh, it will be something different. And I think this kind of experience in, in, in different countries bring you these, because you can not experience situations mm-hmm. that maybe you take 20 years to see, you know. Yeah. So yeah. We, in the country you are. You know? Yeah, it's so, been a while but,
1: here since it's been at this level. I mean, it just life. has been. And exactly. so it sounds like if there's one thing that leaders can do right now to be thinking about the situation is to make sure they understand it's different. And that, as you say, for that metaphor, don't drive looking in the rear view mirror. Things are different and pull from different sources, read, get ready, because your business is going to be a little different. And uh, with all the prices going up, so I guess it's mitigating more aggressively, maybe in, in Addressing cost and then ad- addressing pricing, and just all the levers that you would normally pull, but maybe may in a little bit of a different way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and probably what's coming now is that uh, so far is being something that you have been able along the supply chain to receive the impacts of cost and translate these to the prices, but yeah. this is not sustainable in the long term. So people need to take a look again in the costs. You know, the competitive environment probably will change in some areas. So uh, everybody that is really on the driver's seat need to take care of that and, and look ahead and see how their organizations will adapt for this. Because what works this year probably will not work next year.
1: Great, some great insights here, Paolo. Thank you for that. Get a simple tool to approximate your cost of turnover in 10 seconds or less. Right now, go to BenFanning.com turnover. Could you know the average cost of turnover is $235,975 per employee per year? If you're like most leaders, you don't know your number. Go to BenFanning.com turnover right now and download this simple tool to start getting a handle on this catastrophic cost. What's one trait you wish you could instill in every employee and why do you think it's so important?
0: Well, I believe what I tell people is to be a bit more inquisitive. Don't accept the things the way they are just because someone tells that the things are done this way. Hmm. Um, and I think this is very, very important because otherwise you don't improve. If you don't question why the things, of course, I always say to people to understand why the, the way the things are. Because if they are some, they are made in some way, there is a reason for that. But this doesn't mean, doesn't mean that is the right way to continue doing that. So this questioning all the time, I think it's very, very important. Maybe it's something from my personal career that mm-hmm. I've developed along the way. It was part of my, most of my jobs was really to question that, how we do that, how to do better, you know. Uh, anyone that works on the finance area, we have a very privileged position because we, we see from the financial yeah. perspective everything and there is very few things that a company does that does not have an impact, a financial impact, that there is no money involved with. So you, you you can be in any discussion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have a very holistic view of the, the company if you want. Now, of course, you can concentrate in a specific area and I really... I, I really admire people that really takes a, a more a more specialized role in finance it's it's very important also I know people are very successful in for example audits or or tax uh, but if if you if you take a CFO role or expect to take a role like this you need to have this broad perspective on what the business does beyond finance I would say you know finance is just where you get the temperature what's happening
1: so let's talk about other cost factors. We covered inflation, we covered some other cost factors here. Let's talk about one of the ones that I spend a lot of time on, which is the cost of turnover. Um, and it's, you know, we had the great resignation. We have all these other things, factors now sort of playing into it. From your standpoint, and you guys are in a huge company here, so you probably see this number roll up at a very high level. Is is the turnover cost something that CFOs and organizations should be keeping track of?
0: Yes, we do that. Uh this is always present in our discussions. I would take these. See, we, we are especially in the business, we are more specific the business area work. The main asset we have is the people. So we what most we provide to our customers is Solutions in engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have all the products of the company, but the main responsibility of my area is to provide solutions using best using that products and maybe products from others. Yeah. So, people is everything for us. So it's it it's, it becomes very very important. The the, the to retain people and develop their the talents inside. So not only keep them, but also take advantage of their development. It's very important. My personal experience in these uh, past two years was very, very positive, at least from my team. We lost the one since the pandemic started. That if it's something that if you asked me two years ago, if it was really what I was expecting. It was not because everything that happened Hmm. Could indicate in another way, but it was very positive that we, and I'm very proud of the, of the team and my managers to being able to really uh, keep the team and develop these people. So I'm very proud of them, but we suffered in other areas. Uh, especially technical people of some higher turnover than before and it's really painful it's the transition the training and it's not something that we learn from school you know mm. uh, my case we work with large projects and uh, we don't have people they don't learn this in school you know so you have the, the basics but it's something you need to learn doing the yeah, work. Yeah. So, you know
1: our research shows that it can cost organizations two hundred and thirty five thousand dollars per employee per year for the average exactly. employee. Are you guys coming up with a cost factor for turnover or what's your methodology for sort of understanding that cost per employee?
0: We, we do have estimations and it's not not really far from what you're calculating. Okay. Wow. Great. Really, really in this range. It's really in this yeah. range. So
1: with that said, it's a big it's a big thing. So leaders, I mean, here we have Hitachi Energy and they're saying, hey, this is an important cost. It's an important part of their business. And it's not but, that far off from our costs that we're talking about. There's a big number to pay attention to. Yeah,
0: but maybe I can tell a story that for me it was a long time ago. But maybe on the other side of it, I I I was in a situation that I have. I know very few people that had a situation similar to that. I was I was. If you allow me, I was yeah. back in Brazil, which was some more than ten years ago, and I was working a small company as 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 the head of of. Uh, of finance of that company at that time. And um, we had hired a person from the market, was a young analyst. He was doing very well with us. I think he had maybe one year and a half with us. And he was doing a good job. And he came to my office and said, look, I'm I'm thinking to leave. I'm, I'm developing well here. and uh, But I got an opportunity elsewhere. Maybe it's a step to me. And I was talking to him, trying to understand. It was actually a step further in his career. And um, I said, eh, it's it's sad because I see that you are developing well. I was seeing some steps for you here, but maybe mm-hmm. not right now. And and then you are working with this uh, your manager now. He's doing well also. Well, maybe someday you get your opportunity. It's coming, but you know." And we ended the conversation. So, and then I asked. His manager to come was a coordinator supervising his work, you know, and then I told, look, this other person came to my office and he's resigning. And uh, now we have an issue. We need to find someone else. And then uh, these other persons that told to me, look, Paulo, the problem is bigger than that, because I was about to tell you and I was doing an interview process in another company. I'm just waiting to get a confirmation on the physical exams. Uh And um and I leave the company also. The problem, then is that uh, I had only two employees at that time. They were my only employees.
1: Oh, no. Your whole team? Yes, in Come finance.
0: I had, a, I had a separate team in IT, but that I was also responsible at that time. But in finance, accounting, reporting, they were the two working with me. So then what happened is that I, I well, I consider the situation. And then I asked the first guy to come back and say, look, I have a situation now. probably don't know, but the other guy is leaving. Maybe it's the opportunity. Do you want to stay and take the job? I I need to find someone, you know, To to..." and you were doing so well. I was just, as I told you, and I was very sincere with him before. It was just a matter of time. I Mm -hmm. I think I would have to find a place to the other guy because this, this person was doing so well, you know. I, I it was just not possible at that moment. I, it was not fair with the wow. other person. That's and so did I, he take it? Yeah, he took it and <laughs> um, and he left later. Four years later, I left the company. He became CFO of the company, working many years in the company, did a very very good career there and elsewhere, was very successful. The other person ended up leaving the company uh, took a job elsewhere, did well also, but developed it to some level. Wow! I, what I can tell from that, you know, I, I was taking care of them, but there is some situations. This one is very extreme, but there is situations that you cannot prevent. So some things can happen to you. So you also need to be let's say, prepared for that. And for me, was the only thing I could do, you know, and and it was good for the person and and that being very good to the other one. It was a coincidence of facts. He had the opportunity, Mm -hmm. took the job. We brought another person later. We, I would say that after, of course, after this transition was not easy. I can tell you, it was not easy to do that. And I had to stepping into a lot of things, you know, to support them in all this transition. Mm-hmm. We are a small group, but we were able to, to make it, you know, and it yeah, really worked You know, so you also need to be prepared, you know, and, and I believe, this is my personal opinion, you need to take care of the people. And like I said, we are making a big effort nowadays with the team and, and, and trying to develop them like my current position, but you also need to be prepared. So I see also some managers very very much concerned about the uh, the risk of losing people also because they don't they are not so sure they can manage that so uh, be prepared it's also important you know so you need to be able to do the things if if you need in a difficult situation yeah, you know? I mean unexpected can happen
1: that's funny that you're able to keep him in there then he stayed around so long after he basically resigned his manager resigned. You, then you are able to offer that to him and he stayed and became successful in the company. So that's a cool story. But I think you're I'm think met-
0: pretty sure he, he was offered a better salary that they offer him. He really, because the company was different, they could offer a better salary that they could, but he understood it was a very good opportunity for him to develop. He liked it to work there, you know? So that, that no. is retention. Retention really comes from that, you know? And I can tell you, uh, we made several adjustments in salaries for the people to cope with inflation and all that. But this is not the only factor that made people yeah. to stay in the team out all this time. I'm pretty sure most of the people in my team got offers, good offers, maybe to get a better salary outside. I will never know. You know, this could have happened. But for some reason, they still believe that where they are, they can't have a good f- future, you know.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, don't just compete on price or, or salary. That's a huge factor during this inflationary time period and when there's so many other openings coming up. But yeah, I think a lot of leaders are broadening now their their uh, criteria for changing jobs. It's like, hey, am I working for a company and a boss that I believe in? Is it something where I can really make a home here and make a career here and be supported? And if you check all those boxes and you have the salary, I think you got a real recipe for success for retaining your people. So uh yeah. Nice job navigating that here. So when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road?
0: Well, I had an experience. I was, I believe I was 26 years old and I, I started work during the university. Actually, that is pretty common in Brazil that you, you studied the university during the night and the evening and, and, and work during the day. And I was doing that and had the Good development uh, during my first years of of career. I was working as a business controller in a large company, uh, but I I wanted something else to do, and I really mm-hmm. wanted to make any step, you know, because I never had the opportunity to be really the at that time the number one in a, in, in the finance of a company, and uh, and I I end up getting an opportunity in a small. It was a small. Um, European group, and they were doing a restructuring in in Brazil. They were merging three entities. So they approached me and said, look, we need a CFO for this business. It's a small company, but we are integrating everything. We have a target of reduction of 40% of the cost. And they Mm -hmm. want someone that is really willing to take this challenge and really put this together. Three different financial organizations, streamline that and have one uh, finance organization. We are trying to merge all these companies together. It was sounded very challenging. Was attractive in many aspects. I I left the 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 company it was working, and went and joined this organization to find out that it was a totally different environment. It was a very difficult, uh, let's say, what people call today toxic environment. There's oh, no, toxic not, environment. Not really. Oh. Not really a, a term that was. Was in the early 2000s uh, common to use, but it's pretty much uh, pretty much uh, fits for this this situation. I had there was a a lot of conflicts between the management team not accepting the integration. Um, a lot of people uh, trying to change that what was decided at, at global level to not allow this integration. And I found myself in the middle of a big conflict, trying to do my best, really achieve the targets that was proposed, yep. really succeeded to do that. Uh, but by not taking any sides in these uh, internal conflicts, I came to a situation that I became. In the beginning, I was the friend of everybody. In some moment, I was the big enemy of everybody because I was not taking any side. And it for me was was a learning in terms of uh, understand the situation. Sometimes mm-hmm. you are just in the wrong moment, in the wrong place, so you cannot change what what the fate your fate in some some situations. For me, it was a relief to leave that company. in the end, uh, they they actually closed a business in Brazil a few late, years later. It was a big failure what they did, but and mm. it was mainly because of lack of cooperation of the local management to do mm. something. And I faced it uh, to to make short a long story. I faced a lot of conflicts that uh, I was not prepared to handle. Because Mm. I never had this kind of experience. Because when you work in a bigger, more organized environment, uh, let's say it's organized in a way to prevent some conflicts and avoid some situations. When we are in a smaller entity, uh, it's much more difficult to have these uh, avoided. And then you have these uh, groups and you have these, um, let's say, Interests coming and going, and it's extremely difficult to to live in these environments. I today learned a lot from that experience. For me, it was very important, but in some extent, I was not prepared for the job because it required someone with much more, let's say, experiencing managing mm-hmm. conflicts But I learned a lot in terms of managing conflicts from that, and I took this from my career. So it maybe I could say it was a failed experience in some extent because. I was not, I haven't continued with the company, but in the other end, it was also, uh, very interesting because provided me the experience that I wouldn't have in another place. You
1: yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because yeah, failure, if you haven't had it, you can't learn from it. And as I tell my daughter, I'm like, man, we, one of the worst teachers you can have is success. So, everyone has these moments in their career and really capturing the essence of it so you can build on it in the future. And how do you navigate a toxic environment? How do you navigate when there's a lots of conflict? If you hadn't had it, you haven't had it. So, now you have it. It sounds like you've been able to take that into your own more uh, sort of your bigger career path. And it's, And, it's, and, it's and it's I remember you a this
0: way. is also something interesting to mention because I left the company, I, I did the closing of that year, and then we, I left in January. And my last day was six days before my marriage. So I, <laughs> I became unemployed six days before my marriage. And I was expecting that for the end of the previous year. And then my wife asked me, "How are you feeling bad? How are you feeling? I said, become my wife. Uh, and then I said, to her, no, I'm feeling well. This is not a bad thing. It will be a good thing. Mm. You know? So I, I'm not really feeling bad because I was feeling bad by staying there. Because things were not working, and, and these would be the way to finish that. So, no,
1: you probably felt a lot more relaxed going into your wedding day.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. As long as you financially
1: it, had it covered.
0: My honeymoon was extended. You know, <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> You're okay. it was that was good.
1: That worked out well.
0: I uh, had to honeymoon. It oh, terrific. Good.
1: So, that did work out well. That l- did lead to success. Yeah. So, let's yeah. so to kind of wrapping this up, Paolo. What's your parting thought for the listeners today? Again. what's your parting thought like the last thought to kind of wrap up this interview what would you like to leave our listeners with
0: well i i believe that uh, a bit of what we talk i think it's it's very important to, to someone that's building his career uh, we talked about the, several things about managing conflicts and 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 steps ahead that people can do you know always plan a bit ahead what what is your next step what you need to get the next step what you really is it an international career is it managing conflicts you know it's uh hard skills you need to learn so uh, all of that i think you need to be prepared because the opportunities will appear in my, my, my life i cannot complain about that the opportunities always appear not all the time I was prepared for the opportunity. And I mentioned mm-hmm. a case that probably I took something that was uh beyond me or maybe mm-hmm. made a, a bad decision. Uh so it and it's it it can happen to people, but I don't regret because I prefer to regret or let's say take a bad a bad decision but do something than regret of not taking any decision yeah. and don't do anything. So let's to, to get, get it moving. And um, and and really, when the opportunities appear, and I was prepared, it worked well for me, you know. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's main advice I can give to someone, you know. Always think a little bit ahead. What is next? Because some, sometimes I see people very disappointed because this opportunity doesn't come, you know. Just expecting something to to come, but they sometimes don't question themselves. What I have missed to do. Mm-hmm. To be prepared for that opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, you don't change a few things, several things in, in, you cannot control, but at least these—what is your knowledge, what your capabilities—these you can manage. So you can work yeah. on that.
1: Yeah, as you grow and you grow in the direction of your most or of your interest. You know, I love that getting prepared, thinking ahead, putting your time in, learning, being becoming a tenu- a continuous learner, and embracing that trait of. Being inquisitive, which I think is such a fantastic,
0: uh, yeah, and accept some things that come to your life. I, I, well, Twenty years ago, I couldn't tell I would be here, you know, in another country, you know, well adopted, happy to be in a different place. I, I was not considering that; it was not possible to to foresee, you know. But uh, p- opportunities appear along the way. I made my decisions, and here I am. Could be different and better, maybe. Could be different, and worse, maybe. You know, but but you need to live with that, and I think this is important to 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 live, to accept this well, and always always try to have a better future.
1: Great, Paula. Great place to wrap up there. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping.